0: Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what it means to live the feminine genius in our ordinary daily lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and today I'm sitting down with Amanda Surface. We're talking about what being a canon lawyer looks like in her daily life as a lay woman, and how and why she offers spiritual direction, and what spiritual direction looks like practically for you. But my favorite part of our time together was her three incredible tips for ways to find joy in your daily life, including a great novena-style journaling exercise. That I'm going to be diving into over the next nine days, and you can join me in my Instagram stories. You can find me at Chloe Langer. If you've ever wondered if looking into spiritual direction is the next step in your spiritual journey and you're seeking joy in your daily life, sister, this letter is for you. I am welcoming to the podcast, Amanda Zerfis. Amanda holds a license and master of arts in canon law, as well as a degree in Catholic theology and social justice. She has served in various roles within the Catholic Church, both in the United States and internationally, and she also manages her own website, which is beautiful, and provides online spiritual direction and canon law consultation. Amanda, welcome to Letters to Women. It is so good to have you on the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Chloe. It's so good to be on here with you. Just.
0: Thank you for inviting me to share some of my story today. Absolutely. So today, just a sneak peek into the episode, we're going to be talking about your work as a canon lawyer, what spiritual direction is, and why it's important for Catholic women, and also what it means to find joy in today's world. But to start the conversation, Amanda, can you tell us about your story as a Catholic woman?
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for asking,
0: Chloe. So
1: um, just to start with, some of the basics, you know, I'm a 33 year old single Catholic woman, uh, really striving, like the rest of us, striving to be faithful to God. My story, a um, faith, really began just even just looking back in eighth grade. We all have our, our moments of that we remember. I think where we can pinpoint where our journeys began. But I was in eighth grade, and through um, a tragedy of uh, the suicide of someone close to me, I, I saw a priest. I I wonder what the priest and that was Jesus. So again, we all have that initial conversion or our aha moments. And this was my, my first big one. And we have daily conversions of course, but this was the first time I went, you know, all in as they say. And so from that moment on, I did everything I could to get involved in the church and learn more, but I wasn't, um, I was, I was, Around, It was in my 20s when I really grew in intimacy with God. I started praying more, going on retreats, pilgrimages. I had more holy friendships and and took on mentors and spiritual directors that really guided me in that relationship. So, as you said, I studied theology and Catholic social justice and undergraduate studies, and then I jumped into canon law studies. school. So I've served the church in a lot of different capacities on the parish and diocesan level and for the Holy See. And currently, I write Catholic content for faith-based organizations, including um, Full Time for Covenant Eyes. So as a Catholic woman, I've had the privilege to serve in these roles and live out um, my feminine genius in, in this work that Jesus has given me. So I just am so grateful.
0: I love what you said about conversions every day, too. That's such a beautiful reminder that there is these moments in our life where we do have moments where we can turn back and pinpoint, too, as, as conversion points, as turning points, but also that the everyday, and that, that beautiful mix of both the big moments and the little moments leading into, but yeah, how our stories put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's
1: those little moments that make up the big moment, right? If we, I think St. Therese and, and Mother Teresa, just those little yeses. Make our big yes. If we don't have the strength for the little yeses, how are we going to say yes at the big moments when God
0: calls us? So, you're you're a canon lawyer, which is a title that I often hear associated with with Catholic priests. I have a couple of priests or friends who are canon lawyers. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you discerned earning a degree in canon law and what practicing canon law looks like as a lay woman?
1: Yeah, typically when individuals think of canon lawyers, they think of the 70-year-old senior, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's often, that's the right image. However, it's becoming more and more common for lay people to study canon law, and I think part of that is probably because of the pre-shortage that we've been experiencing, but also because this becomes more well-known, what it is, and then even with uh, After Vatican II, some things changed, and things are still developing in our church in that way. But, yeah, so when I studied Rome, there, there were only three women in my classes. And so that was my canon law studies. And, and three of them, they were they were civil attorneys in, in Rome, and so it was actually really common for civil attorneys to also study canon law because it, it was so uh, similar to their own legal system. In, in Italy and in Europe, but uh, by the time I finished my studies in Canada, I think so. I transferred, ended up transferring from Italy to Canada. I think there were five of us, uh, women in our classes. So two being religious sisters. So um, often religious orders will, will send sister a, a woman um, religious to study so that they can have a canon lawyer in their congregation to help them. So. So, as I said, I studied theology and uh, social justice in undergrad, so I think I would go on to study diplomacy. I um, spent a semester abroad in Rome my sophomore year of undergrad when a canon lawyer priest encouraged me to consider studying canon law if I wanted to work for the Vatican in some capacity, especially at the United Nations, because that was was interesting to me. I I wanted to jump in. headfirst into how i could serve the poor through our faith and so but at the time i still had no full knowledge of what canon law was <laughs> which which you know it's, it's that's a common a common thing so i returned home to the united states and was encouraged by two more canon lawyers to consider it and which always makes me laugh so god often works through people and events and this time he works through people canon lawyers <laughs> he just was Throwing these guys at me, so at the end of my <laughs> at the end of my undergraduate phase, I knew God was going to allow me to study canon law. I still joke; I still don't know if it was actually God's will, but I wanted it so bad that He let me. Um, so I joke about that. So, but I pursued it, and I, I moved to Rome, and I studied there for a couple of years, and then again, like I said, I finished in, in Canada, so I received my license. Um, it's been it's 2013, so I've been practicing in the church for a few years now in dioceses and parishes, and helping individuals and organizations on on canon law topics. So, yeah, you know, it looks it looks very similar for a lay person. We do the whole processes as as a, a, a cleric would. Sometimes um, rules definitely differentiate if you're active in a tribunal or a church, but. There is a lot of room for lay people um, to, to participate in the processes.
0: Especially, I think, too, as a Catholic woman, being able to hear about processes where there is room um, for Catholic women and in, in their feminine genius and what they can bring to that table and that conversation. And to, to see different religious women and, and lay women being able to enter into that um, call is really beautiful. Mm, absolutely, yes, and
1: you know it's it's really neat to watch the difference between men and women, especially when you're in the interview process with petitioners and respondents. You know, just the the masculine and the feminine bring out know, different things in people and help them respond in different in different capacities. So we definitely need both the feminine and the masculine in the life of the church and even in this space as well.
0: Amanda, another thing that that you also do is you offer spiritual direction. For people who are looking for maybe it's a new prayer routine, or they're discerning their vocation, or they're struggling to live a life of virtue, wanting to invest in their physical and spiritual health. And spiritual direction is a term I don't think that's very popular outside of Catholic circles. I think we use sometimes outside Catholic circles these words like mentorship or yeah, the mentoring capacity, but For those who are just now encountering the concept of spiritual direction as Catholic women, can you explain a little bit more about what spiritual direction is and how it can help Catholics grow in their relationship with God?
1: Totally. Yeah, it's such a great question. I actually even just this week got contacted asking if I could be their coach, their Catholic coach. And I had to uh, explain that. No, no, you know, I'm not a a coach. Uh, Gently, of course, and just explaining. It was a great opportunity to share the difference between a coach and a spiritual direction. Um, but first, you know, spiritual direction is such an incredible gift the church gives us. It's a it's a gift to us to to accompany us. The church gives us everything. I, I always think like, oh my gosh, it would be so easy to become a saint in the Catholic Church if it wasn't for sin. Because we have everything everything at our disposal to do it. But uh if it wasn't for sin <laughs> and Right? I know. And, and spiritual direction is one of those gifts. Um, so, you know, it it became popular. I, if, I, I'm pretty sure I have this history right, but I, it became a thing, especially for lay people, right after the Second Vatican Council, when the universal call to holiness emerged, meaning that everyone is called to a life of holiness, not just priests and religious. So, people started receiving spiritual direction, priests and religious were encouraged more. So it's something that I believe everyone should consider, especially just all states in life. And to explain what it is, it's an intimate journey of accompaniment with somebody that you have chosen, you have selected, who you have seen to show them himself or herself to be mature. In the Catholic faith, and seeking holiness, you know that's that's important that you see in them that they're they're pursuing this, um, so that they can accompany you in the same journey. So, the director is someone to, who is there to help you listen to God. So, the listening part is so key. Um, on whatever question you have brought brought to them as the spiritual director, so whether that, you know, how do I find healing. How do I really know that God loves me? What is my vocation? That's a big one I get. And how do I live God's design for my body and my current vocation? You know, whether I'm married, I'm single, I'm religious or priest. So I can't encourage spiritual direction enough. I think partially because of my own journey of, of being able to be a recipient of spiritual direction, you can find so much healing and just, uh, again, that accompaniment. Is, is huge Just to having a, a solid prayer life, the accountability that comes with spiritual direction and somebody to, to challenge you onward is is really huge. But hearing hearing the way the Lord is working in your life and having somebody listen, because sometimes you can't do that. Oftentimes you can't do that for yourself. We, we really can mistake the, the voice of God and have, having somebody beside you to, to differentiate the voices is just really key.
0: I love how you pointed out, too, that the spiritual direction is something that is for all seasons of life. I, when I was in college, I had a spiritual director. who's actually a canon lawyer now. but <laughs> <laughs> And he was incredibly instrumental in my discernment of of my vocation going through, you know, is the Lord calling me to religious life? Is he calling me to marriage and ultimately discerning mm-hmm. my vocation in marriage with my husband? But I think it's so beautiful to remember, too, that just like there are so many moments of conversion throughout our lives, there too are, are many moments of discernment. There are so many things that I've, I've discerned within my marriage after, you know, discerning my big V vocation. Um, and so it's just such a good reminder that there's, there is a lot of seasons of discernment and it is so, so much a blessing to have someone to accompany you through those big and little discernments.
1: Oh, absolutely. Clearly. I, yeah. It's a great point to point out, you know, the, the discernment process doesn't end with your big V vocation discovery. It's like, it's just this lifelong. I wish that it could end. Right. Right. Hey, like, okay. I'm done. <laughs> That'd be easy. I'm done. I don't have to i <laughs> No, but now he's going to call you forward in more generosity and pouring out of yourself in different and new ways in the, in the big V vocation, whether that's marriage, single life or religious.
0: So, right now I'm in spiritual mentorship and direction with a a lay woman, a mom at my parish, which I love, but I'd love to hear this from your perspective. I know what it's like to be the receiver of spiritual direction from a lay woman, but what is it like offering spiritual direction as a lay person and what unique perspectives and experiences do you bring into spiritual direction that may be different if someone sat down with spiritual direction with someone who is in religious vocation?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one word that sums it up for me is humbling. It's it's extremely humbling, Um, but it's it's a very privileged space to walk with a directee, to hear God's voice in their lives, encourage them, and challenge them to be a saint. I mean, that's what that's the spiritual journey is all about. Which at the same time calls me as the director on to seek the life of sainthood. You know, again, very very humbling. So, as a single woman still discerning my vocation. I think the women who journey with me, especially those who are also discerning their vocations, their, you know, their big Z vocations, find it consoling that I'm in the same place with them. You know, I'm a peer while also being their director, but always you know, always keeping the professional boundaries. But I I really do hope it is consoling for those who feel they don't have their, you know, stuff figured out yet. Since I'm in the same boat seeking to really, you know, get out into the deep as calls us to. So I'm, I'm right there with them.
0: Mm, That's really beautiful. Yeah. To have this. Yeah. I love that that word consolation to know that that Mm, it's mm -hmm. possible to give and receive in this season of life that you're in where you're still discerning, but then also being able to offer advice. And like you said, most importantly, this, the gift of listening and listening to someone and being able to then in turn be able to speak in through the Holy Spirit to what their life is looking like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit. Oh, thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. And just, we have, to, we have to be open. This is so important. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Amen. No, I, I am incredibly grateful and at a huge debt to spiritual directors throughout different seasons of life for, like you mentioned, like the challenge, the being able to call me higher when I'm very content with being where I'm at. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But then uh, yeah, <laughs> being able to just see things from a different perspective. Cause like you said, I think it's really easy to, to with a spirit of pride, be able to look at our lives and say, no, I've got this. I, I can do this on my own. I have this plan. Um, and then to be completely blindsided to something like from the, from the outside is a little bit more obvious. So what a gift to be able to look in from the outsider's perspective as well.
1: Mm, mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crucial. And, and I really, I love that you have a spiritual director who is in the same season of life as you, you know, have you found that to be helpful?
0: Yes. Incredibly. So, you know, before I, I had been in direction with a priest, which I love and admire, and that was incredibly helpful in terms of discernment. But then once I became, especially when, once motherhood came became part of the fruit of my vocation, being able to have a mom who she's been up in the middle of the night and she knows what it's like to struggle with a prayer life in a season of mothering a newborn and juggling all the responsibilities of Being a wife and being a mom and and what that looks like and also being a beloved daughter of God is like that first identity. And so being able to have someone to speak into those exact situations and experiences, I think really beautifully, people who are in religious vocations can speak into those as well because there's this element of spiritual parenthood that they definitely have. But I think for me in this season has been really valuable to have someone in that same season of life with a physical motherhood definitely is something that we share as an experience.
1: Oh, that's such a gift. It really is. And it's, it's interesting how it happens. You know, I, I was reflecting on this with somebody else recently. Like, oftentimes God will just send you your director. It just happens. I mean, sometimes you don't even go looking, and it's like, oh, of course I'm supposed to have that person be my director. And I just. I'm grateful for you to find that lady. I think you might get some messages after this podcast today where they'll be asking you for your spiritual director, <laughs> the, the mothers who are listening, which is awesome. Do it, ladies.
0: <laughs> it very much would be, yes, like in the same boat. <laughs> Sometimes we're sinking, but we're in it together. I <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Amanda, I loved reading through your blog and getting to know you, especially as I prep for this podcast. And one of my absolute favorite aspects of your writing is that you read about topics like what we're talking about right now, like canon law and spiritual direction and discernment, but you also have posts about healthy living and good food and how to make a good mixed drink. Why is it important that we live an integrated life as Catholic women, a life that includes holy and wholesome conversations about yes, our spiritual health, but also our physical health too.
1: Mm, yeah gosh okay so i was i was laughing with a friend recently about going on dates with men who only talk about religious topics and we were wondering (laughs) how to be gentle and saying i'd like to talk about other things than religion (laughs) can we can we talk about football i mean how many women (laughs) who want to ask (laughs) hey can we can we talk about like words other than you know all good things and talking about religion but you know in all seriousness to be healthy we need to be well-rounded and integrated so God made us body soul persons. this is very key and fundamental to the theology body and and part of all this is God created us to have fun I mean look at the garden of Eden before everything went down I mean that was a context of like Enjoy one another, enjoy life, bask in what I have created. You know, my spiritual director always encourages me to get out of the house, have fun, look up, and enjoy beauty in all its forms, including the outdoors, good food and drinks, of course, always in moderation, right? So um, one great quote that I think goes along with this mentality is by St. John Bosco. It's so fun. Enjoy yourself as much as you like. It's only you keep from sin, right? You, you can do anything. You can do anything. Just don't sin. I mean, it, <laughs> have fun. And, and, of course, obviously, we need to be, we need to work, and that is so rooted in, in our life as Christians, but... But, you know, yeah, there's a lot of beauty to be enjoyed and to be had. So again, we aren't just souls. God entrusted a body to us and and how we take care of our bodies impacts our souls. and the way we live out, our spirituality affects our bodies. we really we really can feel our choices and in, in both ways we. Whether or not we're exercising, whether or not we're praying, we feel it in our muscles, our moods, how we sleep, appetite and cravings, everything. I know when I'm not praying, I I get grumpy, and you start to you start to have different cravings than you normally have. You try to feed yourself with food or, or drink or internet, whatever it is. Um, because you're trying to fill a void it's it's really interesting how that all works but yeah it all comes down to being made as body soul people we're not just souls we, we do have a body that we have to take care of and also um, take opportunities to enjoy and relax as well
0: yes amen yeah like getting work right getting leisure right and having this ability to yeah like have this idea of integration be something that's very much a ruling principle in everything that we do, not just our spiritual life, but also our physical life and our mental health too, for sure. You also write beautifully about the topic of joy and finding joy in our daily lives, as well as seeking it in our relationships with others and in our prayer life, our relationship with the Lord. And you wrote a brand new ebook, which is called Seeking Joy, Finding God's Will in Ordinary Life. Can you tell me about the inspiration behind the book and then what readers will find inside of it?
1: Thank you, Chloe. Yeah, I love I love writing about the topic of joy. And I'm really so excited about the ebook. It's on pre order right now and it's going to actually release, publish the second week of December. I chose December twelfth, the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. And so uh, as you said it's on the topic of joy, true joy. I titled it Seeking Joy, Finding God's Will in Ordinary Life because I wanted it to be practical. I wanted to have actual ways that we can apply this to our day to day. So I call the ladies, my spiritual directees and the women who approach me for assistance with canon law inquiries, joy seekers. And because, you know, they're they're ultimately seeking God. And and God is love, of course, but God is joy. And we can confuse joy with what the world tells us it is. And but but in the ebook I jump into the topic of Completely, completely with the mindset of the church, and look at it as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, revealing that joy isn't happiness, which you know culture tells us it, it is equivalent. They they use them as synonyms. Really, we see it at Hobby Lobby, we see it at TJ Maxx, we see it at all these stores with these cute signs. We see it all over Pinterest, and I pin them. I love them, <laughs> but but it's it's telling us something. It's not exactly accurate. So it's it's joy is much deeper, and it it comes with suffering and sacrifice. And so I look at the lives of the saints and the topics of of death and mourning, and how overall, when we align our lives with God's will, we open ourselves up to this great gift of joy that comes to us as 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 just that a gift of the Holy Spirit.
0: That's beautiful. I love what you're saying that joy comes with sacrifice and suffering, because it's so counterintuitive. When you when you think about mm-hmm. someone who's joyful, you don't usually think of what they're sacrificing or what they're suffering through. You think of the joy that they they exude. And so just such a beautiful reminder that's very countercultural. Like in a world that says happiness equals joy to say that no, joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit and it involves sacrifice and suffering. is like, wait a second. (laughs) That is not something I (laughs) see pinned on Pinterest. It's
1: absolutely not. It is. It's just yeah, we have it. We can have it so confused, and and that's why I'm like, I really want to speak to this, and I and I want us to be reflecting on it more. And and I, this is something I talked a lot in spiritual direction too. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it released and to see the feedback from from the readers.
0: I love how you two speak into this fact that sometimes joy can be like you said something we see kind of important on a pillow that we may put on our couch, and it's this vague idea. But instead, to dive into the topic of joy and talk about it in a practical way, for women who are listening to us talk about finding joy, especially right now, um, where there's plenty of opportunities in the world for a lot of sacrifice, um, what are some practical tips and pieces of advice that you would give for finding joy and finding peace in our daily lives as Catholic women?
1: Right. yeah. Gosh, don't we all need these practical tips right now? Just reminders in the midst of just a lot of suffering and, and fear and confusion. We're such in a fear, fear oriented culture right now. And, and I've been overwhelmed by it too. All of us have. Um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, you know, how, how can we be seeking joy? I think just in the same, in the same light, we can ask, how do I find God right now in, in this odd season? Cause like I said, God is, is love. God is joy. So how do we find God right now in this odd season um, for all of us? So I have have three tips I just want us to consider. And I think I'll be doing it too in these next weeks as well. Just um, we all need to be refreshed, especially during this time. So the first tip is when I guide women on the principles of discernment, I I explain that to get anywhere in discernment, We first must have a right understanding of who God is. What kind of God is God? And we have to know that he is not a God who wants bad things for us. So he doesn't will COVID. He doesn't will death, loneliness, addiction, anything that we're experiencing right now in the midst of of COVID. So first, I want to encourage all the listeners, and I'll be doing this with them, to reflect on the goodness and generosity of God. And to do this, some of us may want to take on a nine-day novena. Instead of pondering future goals, maybe take nine days to consider God's goodness and how he's pouring into your life. And write down, and write these things down for nine days and offer a prayer of gratitude at the end of your reflection time. in gratitude and the the significance of this is really helping us reorient our hearts, especially as we're overwhelmed with so much negative news in these days. So reflecting on God's goodness so that we can reorient our hearts and, and consider doing that as, as a novena. You know, novenas give us structure and, and some sort of goal to aim towards. And so to to take that on for the, maybe the next nine days, and to reflect on God's goodness um, may be something really helpful for some of our listeners. But the second um, tip or thing to consider for us is while God is a God of generosity, we are made in his image. So when we know our identity, we have peace. We're made to give of ourselves. And in giving of ourselves, you know, we, we truly do find ourselves, as they say. So, I want to encourage just all of us to find new ways to give of ourselves in this season. Again, because this is so crucial to our identity, because we're made in the image of God, who is generosity himself. So, um, finding new ways to give. And this will look different for each one of us depending on our, our vocation, our big V vocation, whether we're married, single, or just a priest. So this this may include ordering groceries for your roommate. If, if you see she's getting low on groceries, it could mean that you'll encourage your husband to get out of the house for an afternoon and do something he enjoys. <laughs> you know, maybe... Donate Clorox life to your parish. Um, be a playmate for your niece or nephew once a week. You know, this is actually a big thing for me and trying to be more present to my nephew. So my sister and brother-in-law can have a little bit of time. Just, you know, just it's everybody's at home and it's, and it's hard. So these weird times really do call for some creativity. And the key is not to let the stay-at-home culture keep you from giving of yourself. So. That would be my second um, tip for finding, you know, true or finding God in, in this season. So finding ways to give of yourself and reflecting on that you are made in God's image. And then lastly, um, I, you know, I love this video. Father Mike Schmitz recently came out with a, a great video on how COVID is bringing out a fear that's possibly always been there for us. And that fear is a fear of death. And this is, this is real. This is a real thing. So I just, you know, for all of us, I just want to encourage anyone listening right now to, to consider watching this video. I, I have a blog post, um, about the video and about breaking through our fears. And it's titled Breaking Through Our Fears. The blog post is, and I, I, um, explain how Father Mike urges, you know, wash your hands. You know, we need to be prudent. We need to be smart, but wash them in hope. We need to be prudent, but we're a people of hope, and we have much more beyond this life, where we will experience the fullness of joy. So, those are some three things for us to consider, just as we're as we're seeking to reorient our, ourselves,
0: find peace and joy in this this weird, weird time. A couple of things that strike me in those tips were I love the structure of a novena the nine days for gratitude that's beautiful but I also love how much that's rooted in Ignatian principles of discernment right if we're if there is a listener who's in the season of desolation one thing that he recommends is remembering times of consolation remembering that there are there are times that God is God is always good and being able to see those times and remember them um, in moments where we can feel far, far away from him. That's just such a beautiful, practical way to put that principle into, into our own lives. Yeah,
1: generosity. He's just a generous God. And if we're feeling down
0: and out, just to
1: always remember, like that truth never goes away. It always remains the same. And it's like all the gifts of, of our faith, we have these, these truths that we can lean into most, most just Especially that God is a God of love and he does not want to see us hurt or um, suffering, but he he wills our good and loves us so much.
0: Amanda, I know we are scratching the surface of everything that is in this ebook. Your website is a wealth of knowledge. If listeners are listening to this episode, maybe this is the first time they've gotten the chance to meet you. Where can they connect with you online and learn more about your work as a spiritual director and pre-order your ebook? Absolutely. Anybody who's
1: listening, if you have friends, I love connecting on Instagram and it's definitely me that you'll hear back from a few private message me and email is great too. And I have a website as well. And it's uh, very simple besides my last name and it's com. So com, and it's spelled with a Z, Zerfus. And just send me a note, you know, if you want to connect, if you want to have a, a phone call, I do 30-minute consultations just as an introduction uh, to to see if spiritual direction is something that you're interested in or needed during this season, as well as canon law guidance, too. So happy to always help and excited to hear from you, ladies. So
0: good. I love something that you said when you're sharing some more practical tips on finding joy that... Joy is something that's going to look different in every single one of our lives, the way that we live that out. Um, And I think that's been something that I found about the feminine genius as well in this podcast, sitting down with different Catholic women and hearing their stories is that ultimately the feminine genius looks different in the life of every Catholic woman. They all live it out so beautifully and differently. So the last question that I ask is the question that I ask every woman who comes on the show. And it's this one, Amanda, how do you live out the feminine genius in your daily life, especially as a woman? who's helping others navigate different seasons of life with joy.
1: I can't wait to listen to some of your past recordings so I can hear other ladies' answers because it's just, it is so fun to hear how other women are living out this the, this idea of feminine genius. But um, one of my favorite books, I discovered it when I was uh, finishing up my studies in Rome. It's titled Man and Woman, A Divine Invention by Alice Van Hildebrand. Have
0: you heard of it? I love Hildebrand's work, yes.
1: Oh, she's
0: so good. And, and
1: so it has a forward by Father Benedict Rochelle. So you know it's a powerhouse book, but it's this tiny little book. So if any, if women are looking for an introduction to the feminine genius, it's, it's the perfect little piece. But Alice is in it that a woman fulfills her mission, not through exterior accomplishments, but prayer, sacrifice, and love. And so much can be said about this, right? But, It's humbling reflecting on how I'm personally living out. It's kind of almost like an examination of conscience, or the exam. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, how did I do on those (laughs) words? You know, um, how have I been living sacrifice and love? And first, I, you know, I'm thinking about this. I tell my directives that I do pray for them, and so often we can say we will pray for someone and don't do it. You know, we're all guilty of that. But I make a commitment to pray for the ladies I journey with. I really, I really do. But secondly, to be a spiritual director, you you commit yourself to pursue a life of holiness. And it's true that you can't give what you don't have. And I have found that to be true in my own journey as well. Um, you know when you're aching or lacking. So, you know, when you can't give what you don't have. But this involves being receptive to God and his plans pursuing a life of holiness and every day i try to say yes to god and plans for my life and he does imperfectly very much imperfectly but every day i get up and i renew my effort to live for him again and again and this does involve um, both sacrifice and love and i know all the ladies listening today are seeking to do this thing and again we do it imperfectly but we get up every day and do it again and again and i'll be praying for all all the listeners and i know chloe you are too but that's that's how the feminine genius looks for me currently in this season of
0: life thank you for sharing that thanks you for yeah thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and your beautiful witness as a spiritual director and your desire for joy it's just been a, a delight to get to know you better
1: so oh, you too chloe i'm just excited about your podcast i'm I look forward to listening to the other ladies' witnesses and just how they're living up as women's an genius and in their experience in the life of the church. So, God bless you. Keep going, and God bless all the ladies who are listening today.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Letters to Women. If you enjoyed this conversation on spiritual direction and joy, could you share this episode with a friend who would enjoy it too? Head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com for all the resources that Amanda and I mentioned in today's show, including links to Amanda's website, where you can find out more about spiritual direction with her and a link to her new ebook. Make sure you're subscribed to Letters to Women wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any new episodes, including the episode we have coming up next, which is a conversation about a brand new Catholic podcast that just launched and what it means for the church and for you as a Catholic woman. That's all I have for today's episode. Until next time, be not afraid.